Welcome back into the Stupendous Sports Channel. We're back at it with another episode of Talking MMA. I believe episode number three. I hope everyone's been doing well. Um, and as always, we're going to get right into it. For today's topics, we got who will be champion of each division in 2022. I'm doing that right off the rip. I haven't looked up anything before this, so I, I kind of want to get a, you know, a live reaction of it, if you will. Strickland versus Hermanson. We talked about that in the last episode a little bit. Want to touch on it a little bit more, given that it is this weekend. You know, it wasn't last weekend. So we want to cover that. We're going to get into the top fives uh, later on. And then we're going to finish off, as always, with some MMA news. So let's get started. Who will be champ of each division in 2022? So without further ado, let's pull up the UFC rankings from the UFC website. And let's start right from the top. We got flyweight, 125 pounds. Let's start there. So just looking through flyweight right now, we have the champion, which is Davison Figueredo, of course. We have Brandon Moreno, the number one contender. Those guys who have just come off an incredible trilogy. Askar Askarov, number two. Alexander Alexandre Pantoja, number three. Alex Perez, four. Brandon Royval which is weird. I don't know why on the UFC website they have Alex Perez 4 and in Brandon and Brandon Roy Val 4 as well. They're both ranked 4 and then Kai Car Francis 6. I've never seen that before. Weird. It's either a typo or I don't know. Maybe I guess they're just dead even. Kai Car France 6. Bonterin 7 and so on and so on and so on, right? Those other guys still have to work their way up. So all the guys I just named are really the more realistic options to get to a title shot in 22. So let's start with who I think will be the champion by the end of the year. I think it's going to end up being Davison Figueredo. We have Askar Askarov. He's very good. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to his fight against um, Kaikar Francis coming up. I think it's going to be a good one. I'm actually going to give the edge to Kaikar France in that one just because, you know, the power he possesses, especially in that division. I think that's a deal breaker for that fight, but I do think that Askar Askarov presents a lot of problems. I think he could be dangerous for Davison Figueredo or Brandon Moreno. However, I don't see the winner of that fight really threatening any of any of uh, Davison Figueredo or Brandon Moreno in the sense of beating them. It will be a good fight, but I don't look at those guys as someone that's going to legitimately take the, the belt from them. I do think Askar Askarov could be a threat to both of those guys. As I said, I do think Kaikar France could be a threat to both of those guys. But I don't see them beating Brandon Moreno or Davison Figueredo. I just don't. I think those two are locked in as sort of the cream of the crop at uh, 125. So I would imagine it's going to be one of those two. Now, is the UFC going to give them a fourth fight? Yes, it, they are. The real question is, when is that fourth fight going to happen? Are they going to do sort of the fair thing and the right thing to do, which is what you would usually do, and give the next uh, fight to the winner of Kaikar France and Askar Askarov? I don't know, but that's probably what they should do. However, the people probably want to see Moreno versus Figueredo. That's more of the box office fight in the division, so it's, it's going to be a good debate to have. However, Moreno and Figueredo will fight eventually. They will. I think those are the two best, like we said. Who will win? Like I said, I think Davis and Figueredo is going to win, and for two reasons. Number one, Similar to Kai Car France, he possesses power in the 125-pound division, which is rare in that division. You know, if you could have power, that could be the difference between winning and losing a lot of fights because all those guys are quick down there. All those guys are super technical down there. So, Davison Figueredo, not only that, but the second reason is he is now under the guidance of Henry Cejudo and, um, 
Eric Albernesine, if that's if I'm not mistaken, that's his name, who is an incredible coach. Say what you want about the guy. He looks goofy as hell. He does. But he is a great coach. Look at his track record. Look at everything he's done, the champions he's had, Henry Cejudo, um, Patricio Pitbull, and so on. You know, he's a very, very, very well-decorated coach. So we have to give him that. And I think that's going to be the difference. Would it shock me if Moreno was a champion? No. But I do think Davison Figueredo will have that belt. Now, Figueredo is older than Moreno. So for how much longer is he going to have it? For how much longer will it be Davison's time? I don't know. I'm just telling you that I think Davison Figueredo will at least be champion for or throughout 2022. Let's jump to Bantamweight. And it's a division that a lot of people think is the best division in the UFC or in mixed martial arts, of course. And it's, it's up there. You know, that 155, uh, it's, it's definitely up there. So let's start at the top. We have Aljamain Sterling. Now, we got Aljamain Sterling. He's a guy that, if I'm being honest, I don't think he should be champion right now. No disrespect to him. I just know the last fight, what I saw, Peter Yan was dominating the fight through four rounds. Um, and if you look at it, if that illegal knee didn't happen, which was very foolish on Peter Yan's fight um, on uh, Peter Yan's part. The fight was he was running away with the fight. You know, it wasn't really too competitive. Peter Yan really is has established himself, I think, as like the clear cut guy at one thirty five. But I think there's a couple guys that might have something to say about that. Um, now this might spoil something for a future segment in this show. But number two, we got T.J. Dillashaw in the division, right? Now, I think that is the only fight right there. I think that's going to be the eventual title shot or title fight. Uh, I think th- that those are the two best guys in the division, in a division of absolute lions and killers. Because I don't see anyone else. Everyone else has sort of had their own setbacks or, or they're just not ready yet. So when I look at TJ Dillashaw, I think he's the only guy from a technical standpoint that could do it. And I think he's the only guy from an experience standpoint, from all the champions he's fought that can do it because Peter Yan is no joke. His boxing is like real deal. You're going to have to throw him off with something different, something he hasn't seen. TJ Dillashaw is different. He throws shit at you that you haven't seen. He's a very good fighter, always working on his game. TJ Dillashaw is one of the best mixed martial artists pound for pound on the planet, despite all the controversy, and that's hurt him. But TJ Dillashaw is a spectacular fighter. Jose Aldo, number three. Um, Aldo's had his setbacks. You know, I saw what I needed to see in, in the Peter Yan fight against Aldo for me to know what's going to happen when they fight again. You know, and it's no disrespect to Aldo. If he can come back and, you know, make it a great fight against Peter Yan, you know, um, credit to him. It would be weird, though, at 35 for him to just come back and beat a guy that did look like he has his number. So, Corey Sandhagen. Here's the thing about Corey Sandhagen, and it comes back to TJ Dillashaw. He had a great fight with TJ Dillashaw. I actually thought, so before I say that, let me just say that I think the three best guys in the division are Pyotrion, TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sandhagen right now. That is what I think. So it's no disrespect to Corey when saying this. I actually thought Corey beat TJ, right? Looking back on it, finding out that TJ blew his knee out or hurt his knee. I don't know what particular part of the knee he hurt. But finding that that he did that, finding out that he did that on a, on I think it was Brandon Schaub's fight companion, that really changed my viewpoint of the fight a bit. Because if TJ hurt his knee early on in the fight and had limited mobility, then the fact that he even beat a guy 
as talented as Corey Sandhagen in a five-round war like that, that makes him even more impressive. It makes me think that if he's his knee never if that never happened to his knee, if his knee was good in that fight, it makes me think that that fight maybe wouldn't be as close. Still close, but not as close. Like maybe it's not even a split decision, you know. But here's the thing. Corey Sanhagen is still young. He's still developing very rapidly and very impressively in the sport. So who's to say Corey Sanhagen doesn't improve more than TJ Dillashaw does the next time they fight? You know, a lot can happen. And it was a close fight, so you got to give him that. Rob Font just had the setback against Aldo. Aldo had the setback against Jan. I can't see it for Rob Font right now. Me, Rob, again, listen, I, I hope the guy does well. I don't see it right now. Um... What's he, 14-4, and four, the machine, Mirab, with an absolute nightmare of a last name, like I said. Let's check out the guy's last few fights. I mean, he beat Marlon Marais. I mean, yeah, that'll do it, right? He beat Corey Stamen. He beat Dodson. Well, he beat Kennedy, who's a tough guy. All right, I'm not going to lie. The guy's on a bit of a run right now, and he's doing great. However, is he a guy that I'm saying is going to beat, you know, TJ Dillashaw, Piotr Jan? No. In fairness, I think I do need to familiarize myself a bit more with him. Not in, I have seen the last couple fights he's had, but maybe go back and watch his first few fights in the UFC. Maybe go back and see some mistakes that he's made and see if they're mistakes that are easily fixable. Um, but as of right now, I wouldn't anticipate him being champion. At the very least, maybe he's in the number one contender fight right for the shot but for him to say he's going to be champion by the end of 2022 even if he even if i am underestimating him i don't i still think that's a long shot saying he's going to be champion he's not even in the title picture right now dominic cruz dominic cruz is interesting because dominic cruz lost but that only recent loss that he had was against a guy who's not even in the division anymore so we're talking about a guy who could be a fresh contender to a to a new champion so yeah why not Imagine Dominic Cruz and TJ Dillashaw fighting for the title. How fucking crazy would that be if they ran that back? You know? Marlon Vera. Marlon Cheeto Vera. I'm a big fan of Cheeto. Again, not to disrespect him, but I feel like there are levels to this. And maybe he's not at that level yet, and he will be. But at this particular moment in time, when I saw, when I saw him fight Jose Aldo, I think I saw what I needed to see in that fight as well. He's just not at that top-tier championship level yet. Do I think he's improved his game enough to where he's now a contender in the division? I think he he is. Yeah, I think he's very talented. You saw what he did to Frankie Edgar. Granted that, you know, he though maybe the kick was a little lucky where it landed on O'Malley's nerve, but he did do that to a guy in O'Malley who smashes everyone. So Cheeto Vera is a bad motherfucker. Like, we got to give him that. Pedro Munoz... Again, a guy who is a stud in the division, is a beast, a fun fight to watch always. I don't take him serious right now as, a, as to be a champion in 2022 just because he's had too many setbacks. Frankie Edgar, I mean, we, there's not much we really have to say there. You know, I think we've seen, you know, the best of Frankie's days already. But I'm happy, you know, he still wants to fight. He still has a passion for it. Uh, good for him. I, You know, could he climb the, the division? I hope he does. You know, I'm from New Jersey. I'm a big Frankie Edgar fan. Um. Do I think he's going to be champion by the end of the year? No, I don't. I, like, I'm sorry. And the only reason I'm even going this far down the list is because we have Sean O'Malley, right? So he's number 12 in the division. And um, 
he's a fun guy, right? He's a guy that I think the number one question about him is we've seen a lot, right? But the thing is, how does he? How is he going to do against a top tier talent? Against a top tier talent, how is he going to do against a top five guy when he moves up that next level? That he moves up that next sort of bracket into like this next tier of guys that he hasn't fought of that caliber. You know, how's he going to do? How's he going to do? How's he going to do when he fights a Corey Sandhagen? I'm not even talking about like Jan or Dillashaw. How's he going to do when he fights a Rob Font or an Aldo? I just don't know. He pieces guys up. And I'm a big fan of him. I think he's going to be a beast. Is he? Is he? Do I think he's one of the five best bantamweights on on the planet? I do. I, I think he would already beat a guy like Rob Font. I still got to see him beat a guy like Sanhagen, Aldo, Dillashaw, Jan. Still got to see that. But I'm a big fan of the guy. He's a big star for the UFC, and I think it's in the UFC's best interest to not rush him. So I'm going to say Sean O'Malley is not going to be champ by the end of 2022. So I guess I have to make a decision since I didn't really pick one between Jan and Dillashaw. I'm going to have to go with Peter Jan. Um, yeah, let's go with Peter Jan. Just because TJ, you know, he had the break, but he did look great. But then the injury, we don't know how that injury is going to do for his career. What is he, 34, 35? I've, just because of recency, if if anything, just I've been seeing Jan smash guys left and right, you know. So let's go Jan. Let's go to 145. We got the champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Now, this to me is going to be a bit similar to 125 in the sense that there's really only two guys that I see champion by the end of the year, like definitively, actually. And that's Alexander Volkanovsky or Max Holloway. Like I said in previous videos, I've said it about twice now. That's 1A, 1B in the division, by far. If you look at their last two fights when I broke it down, I said, with the exception of the first two rounds of the first fight, go look at the next eight rounds. They're all ultra-competitive rounds. Extremely close rounds. Like, these guys are so good. The way that they challenge each other, I am so excited to see a trilogy after Alexander Volkanovsky takes care of business against Korean Zombie, if he does, because we got to respect the zombie. He's still dangerous. But I still think Volkanovsky will beat him. So... Let's start off with this. We got Max and Volkanovski. I think that's 1A, 1B. And the reason why I think it'll be one of those two guys easily is because they are going to fight again this year. They are going to have the trilogy. And now all I really have to do is just read off the rest of the names. Do you really think any of these guys beat one of those two? Yair Rodriguez just lost to Max Holloway. Korean Zombie. Do you think Korean Zombie, who lost, who got pieced up by Brian Ortega, who Brian Ortega... Brian Ortega, who lost to Volkanovski and Holloway. Now, I know you can't play that game in MMA. It's all about matchups. But, like, do you really think that's a good matchup? Maybe it's a better... Maybe Yair matches up better with Volkanovski than Max, because I think Max could hold his own a lot more in the striking than Volkanovski. Or not a lot more, but more. But I don't know. I mean, do you really think yeah, you think Yair will be champion by the end of 2022? The guy's not even that active. Korean Zombie. He's about to get his chance, so if, listen, if Korean Zombie wins his next fight, then he obviously leaps to option number one for that, for the question of who will be champion at the end of the year at 145, but I don't think he's going to win. So we got Calvin Cater, who is going to remain a contender. He's still a stud in the division, had the setback against Max, 
again, I saw what I needed to see in the fight against Max. Like, Max just showed, proved to me that there's levels to this, and he's just not on Max's level, you know? Granted, it was a year ago. People can improve. Let's see what happens. Josh Emmett is a dark horse in the division. I think Josh Emmett's only lost, like, two fights in his career, one fight. Other than that, Josh Emmett starches everybody. If you look at who, Josh Emmett is a guy, he's one of, like, the most underrated fighters in mixed martial arts. He's actually a guy, believe it or not, that I take more serious than right now. Right now, granted those guys, granted recent fight results, right now I take Josh Emmett more serious than, what is it, one, two, three, four, than the four guys ahead of him. Calvin Cater, Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega. Right now I would take him more serious as a threat. Would he beat a guy like Yair? I don't know, but he's more of a fresh contender. And I didn't even know he was number six. Arnold Allen... It's going to be very telling because he's fighting uh, Dan Hooker, right? That fight, that got announced for UFC London, which is an absolute banger of a card again. You got to check that out. That's like a pay-per-view caliber fight night. So Arnold Allen's fighting Dan Hooker. Again, if Arnold Allen beats a guy who's not in his division, is that really going to send him up the rankings? The only way, really, the only way Arnold Allen really gets boosted up the rankings with a win is if one of those guys just sort of falls off ahead of him. Other than that, he's really he's probably going to stay at seven. That's not going to do much for you. Giga Shikadze, we just saw that. Dan Ige, couple setbacks. Barboza. Now, did Barboza lose recently? I can't recall if he lost the fight. Didn't he fight Aldo or he fought somebody? Oh, he fought Giga, that's right. Because he was on a bit of a run, and he actually lost to Dan Ige, but I don't think he lost that fight at Barboza. Okay, but he got, so he's had a setback to Giga, so he's not going to get in there. So, yeah, we've pretty much ran through everyone. So we got Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. It's going to be one of those two guys. Or Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, sorry. Obviously, I have to pick one. I'm going to go with Max Holloway. If you check out a, a breakdown video I've done in the past, I said why, I stated why Max will win. Again, these guys are 1A, 1B. I'd probably have Max winning like a five-round split decision. Just a technical chess match on the feet between these two guys, I think it'll be. Um, but I would have Max winning the fight. You know, like a 49-48 kind of deal. So for 155 pounds, we got Charles Oliveira. We have Justin Gaethje. And we're about to find out real quick about Justin Gaethje because he's fighting next for the title. Um... I do envision that fight going a, a lot similar to the Khabib fight versus Gaethje. And the reason I'll tell you is because I think Charles Oliveira poses a bigger threat than Khabib in the striking department. And I think that threat alone will be enough to open up a takedown. And uh, yeah, I think he'll get him on the ground. I think he'll submit Gaethje. So I don't envision Gaethje beating Oliveira. I just think Oliveira is a, a better overall mixed martial artist. And I think he's going to turn it into a mixed martial arts fight, you know, all around and win. So I do envision Oliveira, you know, getting through the fire on that one. Dustin Poirier just lost for the title. It's going to take him like two fights just to get back in the title picture. Think about it. If he wins his next fight, he's not fighting for the title. He's going to need at least two more fights. You know, a guy who's accomplished what he's done at this point in his career, is he going to be fighting three, four times a year to get back to a title shot? I don't think so. And he might even move up to 70 permanently or just to fight Diaz but that'll be a setback if he wants to come back to 155 you know it's going to set him back in terms of time because it's not really going to put him anywhere in the rankings 
So I don't think Dustin Poirier fights for a title or will be champion by the end of the year. Maybe he fights for the title, but I don't think he'll be champ. Benil Dariush, another guy we're going to find out real quick because he's fighting Islam Makachev, the guy behind him who's ranked number four. So let's just talk about both those guys since they are fighting each other next. And we have to believe that the winner of that fight is going to be fighting against Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, the winner of that fight, right? So it's sort of uh, bracket style right now, right? Like we said in the previous episode. So the se- we're sort of in the semifinal right now, and we have the champ Charles Oliveira fighting Justin Gaethje. On the other side of the bracket, we have Benil Dariush and Islam Makachev, right? I think Islam Makachev beats him. I think Islam is going to be champion by the end of 22. I'll just spoil it right now. I I will pick Islam at lightweight to be the champion at 155 by the end of the year. Um, I think his wrestling is just going to be too much. It's just going to smother people. Just like Khabib, I don't, no one's going to be able to, he's going to be such a problem on the ground in any fight. How are you going to beat him? Like, I don't even know how much there is to say about this guy. Like, go look at Khabib's fights. That is Khabib with better striking. Is his wrestling maybe not completely up to par with Khabib's? Probably not. But is he 95% the wrestler Khabib is? Yeah, trust me, he is. He is. You have guys like Josh Thompson on the Wing In podcast talking about him. And, you know, the story he he says about Islam Makachev, comparing him to Khabib and just what he does to other guys is terrifying. Now, Benny, you know, Benil Dariush, that's going to be a good fight. Um... And I think Benil Dariush could be his biggest threat in the division. Him or Oliver, just because of their jiu-jitsu, their ability to submit, and their ability to, to fight off their back. Because Benil Dariush is good on the ground. Let's not get that twisted. Like He can submit Islam in this fight if Islam is caught in a bad position or lacking something. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Islam just going to resort to that pressure, that ground pressure, ground and pound, finish him on top, maybe take his neck or just finish him by punches, or... I don't know if Benil Darius is a tough guy. It'll go five rounds and he'll make it a war because he is that good. But I'm going to go with Islam. Again, we already got the answer there. Look, Chandler had like a couple setbacks already. You know, Dos Anjos, he hasn't been a journeyman, but he hasn't been close to a title fight in a while. You know, he's had many setbacks. I don't think he's going to bounce back on the level of like being champion Tony Ferguson, I think his best days are behind him, at least at 55. Dan Hooker, pretty he moved to 45. Conor McGregor, I mean, Conor's a star, but, you know, we've seen Conor. I don't think he'll be champ either. You know, he, he's Conor. Conor, if he can't beat Dustin Poirier, he's not going to beat Justin Gaethje. He's not going to beat Benil Darius. He's not going to beat Islam Makachev, especially after what we saw in the Khabib fight. And is he going to beat Charles Oliveira? You know? And is he even going to outstrike Oliveira? Oliveira looks good everywhere. Let's go to welterweight. So yeah, 155, sorry, the answer is Islam Makachev again. Let's move on to the welterweight division. Kamara Usman, the champion. Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad. Colby Covington is not going to fight Kamara Usman in 2022. Uh, It'd be weird if a guy who Usman beat pretty clear cut the first two times, if they just fight a third time again, less than a year later. I don't think that'll happen. Gilbert Burns, here's the thing. I don't think, you know what the problem is at welterweight? The guy who Kamaru Usman already beat twice, and he's already beat a few people twice because he's just running through the division. The guy who Kamaru Usman beat twice already just so happens to be 
clearly the second best guy in the division. So, Colby Covington beats Gilbert Burns. Love him or hate him, guys. Colby Covington beats Leon Edwards. Colby Covington beats Vicente Luque. Colby Covington beats Bilal Muhammad. Colby Covington beats Masvidal. Spoiler alert. And I love Masvidal. Colby Covington beats Stephen Thompson. Magny. You know, you start getting down the list of guys like, you know, Brady, Chimaev. That could be an interesting fight. But are those guys fighting for the belt so soon? I'm not too sure about that. So, I don't know. I, I, I will have to go with Kamar Usman. Now, given we're talking about the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter, and I'm saying I think he's going to keep his belt by the end of the year, like, is that a hot take? I don't think so. Let's go to middleweight. Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, Paolo Costa, Jack Hermanson, Sean Strickland, Darren Till, Uriah Hall, Kelvin Gastelum. That is a champion in the top 10 in that division. Adesanya and Whitaker, similar to Holloway and Volkanovsky, similar to Figueredo and Moreno. Adesanya and Whitaker, 1A and 1B in that division. Now, is the gap a bit wider, as we said like in the previous episode? Is the gap a bit wider in that 1A, 1B dynamic for Adesanya and Whitaker, like as opposed to those other comparisons? Probably, like... Whitaker maybe isn't as close to Adesanya as Davison, Figueredo, Moreno are, or as Holloway and Volkanovski are. But we just don't know that because we also have only seen them fight one time. Um, and Whitaker did make some mistakes in that fight that I think he's going to have to clean up. And if he does clean up, it will be a lot better fight. It will be a better fight, for sure. So, let's just go through it. Marvin Vittori already lost to Israel Adesanya. And it's crazy that he's two now. Wow, Marvin Vittori was, is back up to two. So, Marvin... You know, he's won a couple, one or two fights in a row now. He's bounced back, but lost to the champ twice convincingly. You know, you're not fighting for the belt again for at least another year or two. Jared Cannonier, again, you're talking about a guy who's had some setbacks. You know, Whitaker beat him pretty handedly, you know. Derek Brunson, that's an interesting one. Derek Brunson is probably the most realistic option uh, in terms of the one who can challenge Whitaker or Adesanya because it will be Whitaker or Adesanya that's champion or Adesanya and Whitaker, rather, however you want to put it, just because of his wrestling. I think Derek Brunson beats Vittori. I think he beats Cannoneer. Although I do think the Vittori fight would be really good. I think he will beat Cannoneer because they are fighting. Um, I think he beats Costa. I think Hermanson, he beats him. I think he beats Strickland. I think he beats all the guys in the division except for Whitaker and Adesanya. I do. Um, and Whitaker and Adesanya have beaten him already. Granted, the, you know, the Whitaker fight was a good one. Um, but yeah, so I think Derek Brunson is going to beat Jared Cannonier, and when he does beat Jared Cannonier, he's going to fight the winner of Adesanya versus Whitaker, which is coming up. I'm going to predict Adesanya wins that fight a far closer five-round decision in this one, as opposed to an early knockout like in the last one. I think Whitaker's going to make a lot of good adjustments. He's just that good of a fighter. Um, so I do envision an Adesanya versus Derek Brunson rematch for the championship belt on the line. I do think that Adesanya will win again. Will it be a better fight? Who knows? We will break that down when the time comes. Israel Adesanya will be the middleweight champ by the end of 2022. Again, is that a hot take? Not really. Glover Teixeira, light heavyweight champion. I think Glover, ah, this is the hardest division, if I'm being honest, to predict by the end of 2022. This is the one where you're really going to have to start thinking 
you're going to have some trouble with this one. Glover Teixeira is a champion. Jan Blahovic is the number one contender. Yuri Prohoshka is number two. Alexander Rakic is number three. Anthony Smith is four. Tiago Santos, five. Magomed, six. Dominic Reyes, seven. Dominic Reyes fell to seven. Shit. Volkan Ozdemir, eight. Krilov, nine. Johnny Walker, ten. Okay. Let's point out the guys that I think are realistically going to be either fighting for a title or will be champion, like the shortlist out of the top ten. We got Glover Teixeira. Yuri Prohoshka, because they both are fighting for the title. Jan Blahovic, just because he's probably another, he's like another win away from a title shot. And Rakic. It's definitely going to be one of those four guys. Now, we're just going to have to narrow it down to one of those four. Again, Alexander Rakic, Yuri Prohoshka, Jan Blahovic, Glover Teixeira. Tiago Santos has had setbacks. Magomed has had setbacks. Dominic Reyes has had setbacks. So... Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, all those other guys with the, you know, maybe with the exception of Magomed, you know, he, I'm sure he's he's done a good job to rise to the ranks. Not too many setbacks there. Um, but the rest of the guys, you know, what can you really say? I mean, yeah, Magomed is on a run. Can we throw him in there? Because the guy has only had one setback in his career, really, very early. Was it even in the UFC? Yes, it was. It was against Paul Craig. So, look. Magomed is up there. I don't think he's going to be fighting for a title in 2022. He's still got to win a couple fights. But yeah, let's go back now. And let's see who's going to be out of those top four guys. Glover's a champ and he's going to fight Yuri Prohoshka, right? I think Glover's going to win the fight. What's Yuri going to do when he gets taken down? When he's getting much like Derek Brunson and... Islam Akacha, when he's getting smothered on the ground, what's he going to do? With these guys that can impose their will on you and really and take the fight to the ground and dominate it at will, or not at will, but just at a high level, those guys are at such an advantage. Like it, the re, it, If you're a good wrestler in MMA, it, just, it does so much for you. It can do so much for you. I'm going to have to go with Glover. Um, you know, we will break down that fight when the time comes. But I think Glover, as of right now, early prediction, I think Glover beats Yuri. I think he'll get him on the ground somehow. Alexander Rakic and Jan Blahovic. That is going to be a good fight. I'll give an early prediction right now. I will go with Rakic. I think I saw, you know, some things that I didn't want to see in the Glover Teixeira title fight with Jan. Um, you know, I don't like how easily he got taken down. I don't like how easily he tapped. Um, so, I don't know. I'm going to have to go with Rakic in that one. I think he's going to mix it up well in the striking department enough to take the fight to the ground, do what he's got to do, and make it a mixed martial arts fight all around and win. Now, it's going to be, I think it's going to be Alexander Rakic and Glover Teixeira fighting for the title in uh, probably late 2022. So, who's going to win that fight? You know? I'm going to give Glover the advantage. I'm going to give Glover the advantage in a wide-open division. I will say Glover is a champion by the end of 2022. I'm going to have to get back and revisit this one. This is a very tough one. Right now, early prediction, Glover Teixeira will be the light heavyweight champion by the end of uh, 2022. He will remain the champion. Francis Ngannou, heavyweight champion. We are in the heavyweight division now. We got Francis Ngannou, the champ again. 
Cyril gone the number one contender. I'm glad Cyril stayed the number one contender because I still think he could be champion and beat Francis. I didn't see anything in that fight. Well, I did see a lot in that fight of concern, but I didn't see a fighter that couldn't beat Francis. You know, I thought he strayed away from the game plan in round five when he could have won it and won the fight. But whatever. Francis and Ganu versus Cyril gone. Cyril's a win or two away still from a title shot. Uh, Stipe Miocic, I don't envision Stipe climbing the mountain of, and getting Francis and Ganu again. Like when St- what Stipe did to Francis, uh, you know, those years ago, you know, when they went, when Stipe beat him in that five round decision and just made it a grueling fight, Francis improved so much. His cardio was at least a little better because he was able to to win the championship rounds against Cyril Gan, right? Sorry about that. His cardio was at least a little bit better. So we got to give him that. Uh, we know his technique as a mixed martial artist is better from the second fight when he stuffed the takedown, when he got to his back. A beautiful sprawl that he did. With, uh, he has improved leaps and bounds. The Cyril Gan fight where he takes him down. And controls the fight from the ground. We're talking about a mixed martial artist now in Francis Ngannou. We're no longer talking about a knockout artist. Like a pure puncher. Because that's what he used to be. Given what I just saw in the fight. I got to think Francis would beat Cyril again. You know again that will be another toss up fight for me. I think if Cyril can just get away from Francis. Get away from the big shot. And get away from the wrestling. He will win. But I will go for Francis. For the second reason being. Francis's knee was blown out in that fight. So I don't even know if I can't even, I almost can't even gauge that fight anymore because that wasn't the real Francis. You know, Francis was hurt in that fight. He was compromised. So I don't know. Let's go with the women's strawweight division. This division, I'm going to have to go with Rose. I think Rose will retain the belt. Zhang Wei Li, I think she won the second fight against Rose. But just the fact that she's 0 2 against her, I got to go with Rose. You know, I think Rose will... I don't see any other contender in the division. Carlos Sparza is going to be tough, but I think Rose will walk through her and get the win. Shevchenko, we're not even going to talk about that. At flyweight, it's going to be Shevchenko. She's going to be the champ by the end of 2022. No debate there. And now we're going to go to... and finish off at women's bantamweight because featherweight seems to be done. There's not even contenders on the UFC website anymore. At women's bantamweight, we're going to go with Juliana Pena because I think she will beat Amanda Nunes again, and I think those two are going to fight for the title. Other than that, there's no clear-cut contender. Uh, Holly Holm, not really. Not Aldana, not yet. Aspen Ladd, not yet. You know, like, none of those girls are really ready for it. So I think Juliana Pena will beat Amanda. You know, she's seen her quit, and I think that that's going to be a big mental advantage to having that fight. So I would think Juliana Pena will be the 145-pound champion of the women, or 135-pound champion, rather, by the end of 2022. And now, it's time. Let's get in the top five. Let's start at number five. Last week we started at number one, kind of anticlimactic. So let's start with number five this time. We're going with Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. We hinted at that a little bit, you know, about 10 minutes ago or so. Um, It's a fight that's happened already. So to say it's a dream matchup, you know, some people might think I'm reaching, but I think it is a dream matchup because I've already seen it twice. I saw what I needed to see twice to confirm that it's a dream match that I want to see this year again these guys are 1a 1b in the division if you go back and watch I will repeat this the first two rounds 
pretty clear-cut Volkanovski won the first two rounds of the first fight. Go check the last eight rounds after that. Yeah, Max had a couple knockdowns here and there, but super competitive rounds, all of them. I'm not saying that all like that they were hard to score, all of them. Like some of them, you could probably tell who won, but still ultra competitive, super close in in terms in the striking numbers. These guys are one A one B. You know, we saw two fights that the first one wasn't as competitive because Volkanovski ran away with the first two rounds so easily. Um, but the last fight, that was one of the best fights I've ever seen in the featherweight division. That was the highest skill level I've ever seen at the 145-pound weight division in the UFC. Like, these guys are the full evolution of 145-pounders. They're the two best on the planet, and they put it on the line every single time. I w- this is the fight I want to see the fifth most. Yes, it is. <laughs> Coming in at number four, we have Piotr Jan versus TJ Dillashaw. Now, let me tell you why this is an interesting one, and it's why it's one that I really, really want to see. Piotr Jan just fascinates me. I think he's one of the two or three best strikers in mixed martial arts in terms of just boxing. I think he's one of the best. He's so crisp. His movement, his technique, just his positioning, everything about him. It, it's absolute art watching Piotr Jan fight. And Piotr Jan has been running through people. You know, he made a stupid decision to knee Aljamain Sterling in the head illegally, and that cost him the belt in a fight that he was obviously winning. But... You have to look at it like this. TJ Dillashaw before Piotr Jan was perhaps the best 135-pounder I've ever seen in my life. Like, clearly for me. Like, TJ Dillashaw, you can look at the Dominic Cruz fight, which I thought he won, and that was his last setback, but I don't even think he lost the fight. Before that, he was beating guys up. You know, the Cejudo one, we had the whole debacle, so we're not even going to talk about that. That was at 125. Before that, TJ Dillashaw just looked like he was the guy. He looked... TJ Dillashaw was one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on on planet Earth. Before he got popped for the EPO stuff, I think he was maybe in the top three, pound-for-pound, top three or four at least. Like, as a pure mixed martial artist, TJ Dillashaw is an incredible fighter. Incredible. And I've always wanted to see him fight Piotr Jan because I think these are the clear-cut two best guys right now. Well, not clear-cut because it's a deep division. I think it's a disservice to say that to the rest of the division. But I think Piotr Jan and TJ Dillashaw... We'll be fighting for the belt soon. I think that's a fight to make, you know. Seeing what TJ was able to do against a guy like Corey on one leg for most of the fight, how could you not be impressed with that? And like I said, before TJ Dillashaw, you know, before Piotr Jan, rather, TJ Dillashaw was a man. He was looking like the best 135-pounder I've ever seen. Piotr Jan right now is doing things that I've never seen 135-pounders do. The way he fights, just the way he runs through people. So... I mean, I want to see that fight. I really do. From a, a from just a tech, pure technical, maybe not box office. It's not going to sell the most pay-per-views in the world. But from a pure technical standpoint, it's a fight I really do want to see. Number three, we're going to go with Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Chimaev. Now, if you're not on the Hamzat train, if you're not a believer, you're probably not going to agree with me on this because why would you want to see it at that point? But I really do think it's a fight that is a challenge for Hamza, for Kamaru Usman. Hamza Chimaev's wrestling is the real deal. And I'm not trying to say anything else He doesn't he, that he does is not the real deal. He is good in every department. We saw him knock Gerald Mearshar out with one punch in a fight in like 10 seconds. So we know he's the real deal. However, we have to see him face a guy like Kamar Usman. We, we even have to see him face a guy like a Leon Edwards, which we have yet to see. My thing about Hamza is this. When you take those guys like, Usman, Covington, Leon, and you compare them 
to Hamzat when they were fighting guys of Hamzat's level, when they were sort of in Hamzat's ballpark of competition and where they are in the ranking. Hamzat is smashing people 10 times more dominantly than I've ever seen any fighter smash people at that point in their career. Where he is right now, I've never seen anyone just run through people. He is running through guys. Like what he did to the leech, to Li Jingling, what he did to that guy was scary because I know that the leech is a good fighter. The leech was a good contender in that division. So to see him do that, it scared the shit out of me. To see him do that to Gerald Mearshart, it scared the shit out of me. To go back and look at all the things that he's done in his fights, just the way he handles people with ease, it scares me. I think these guys are in trouble in the top five. I really do. And I would argue that Kamar Usman's not going to have a big threat till this guy comes around. And I think Kamar Usman is smart enough to see the threat, and he'll take him serious. Is he going to be retired at that point? Because we we all we can't forget that Usman's like what thirty four, about thirty four years of age more or less. I could be wrong. Is ballpark thirty four, thirty five? So, you know, he's closer to the end than he is the beginning. Um, if I had to pick a guy right now to say who will be champion when Usman's gone, I think it's going to be Hamzat. I really do. Hamzat, or, well, it depends on how old Colby Covington is, right? How old is Colby Covington? You know, that's what's going to, 1988, he's 33. All right, so he's not too much younger than Usman. How old is Hamzat? Hamzat's 27, Colby's 33. And Usman is 34. So Hamzat's six, seven years younger than these guys. I think Hamzat's got next, and that's why I think it's such an intriguing fight because we're looking at a guy who's dominating everyone at the top now, is the current guy, you know, is the best, versus a guy who's dominating everyone, everyone at his level, moving his way up, and could be the guy, could be the best. It's a big fight. It could be like a passing of the torch fight if Hamzat were to be Usman. Like, you'd be witnessing the passing of the torch in the welterweight division because I think you'd be seeing a transition of two dominating champions. Like Hamzat will dominate in his time if he were if he's is to become champion, like I think he will, after Usman does what he is doing right now, which is an incredible title run. You know? Kamar Usman's up there. Hamzat's doing things that I've never seen done to people in a fight. You know, he's throwing grown men around. Grown men who pay bills, who have children. He's throwing them around like they're stuffed animals in a fight where they're getting paid to win, where their livelihood, their hard work, their pride is on the line. He's throwing them around like rag dolls. Think about the complexity of a fighter that we're dealing with here. Think about the talent that we're dealing with here. It's undeniable. Whether people want to admit it or not, it's undeniable. And it's going to happen. People are going to... Hamzat is going to be acknowledged sooner or later. I'm just going to do it now because I know he's going to beat these guys. Leon Edwards, let me tell you what. I'm a fan of Leon Edwards. I think he could be an interesting match over Kamar Usman if the fight stays standing. But Leon Edwards dodged a big bullet when the Hamza, when Hamza got COVID because that would have just taken Leon Edwards' title shot, I believe. I think Hamza would have done it. I think Hamzat would have pulled an Islam Makachev on him big time. 
those two guys are just going to dominate people for a long time with their wrestling. It is absolutely overwhelming. Let's move on to number two. Number two, to the excitement of all MMA fans, is actually a fight that we're getting already. It's a fight that's coming up. Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington. Now, that's a fight that we're going to do a full-on breakdown of as it approaches closer. Um, But it's a fight that I'm excited about just because it's second on the list and we're getting it, and that excites me. Now, there's some other fights, I think, that could happen for sure on this list uh, in 2022 that could get put together. But as of right now, they're not. Uh, they're not made or they haven't even been thought of, really. Some of them. So let's go Let's right, go right to it. Um, Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington. Why is it an interesting fight? It's an interesting fight for a thousand reasons. I could have just had this whole... I could have just done this whole episode talking about that fight. Talking about that fight in the octagon. You know, the Styles matchup, the wrestler versus the kickboxer. Talking about... You know, the beef outside the octagon, the storylines with Colby, do, you know, recording all these videos, talking all this shit, meeting with all these people that have ties to Masvidal. You know, it goes so many directions. And it's so interesting. Look, for me, it's obviously more interesting because of the stuff outside the octagon. Now, if you want to say, oh, you know, that's dumb because he's just looking at it from sort of an entertainment and not like a stylistic standpoint. Sure. I mean, I guess so. I have a lot of fights on this list that I want to see just from a stylistic standpoint, from a hardcore standpoint, but this is certainly one of those fights that's not the case. I want to see this fight just because of the box office appeal. Like, because I think I think Colby Covington is a terrible matchup for Jorge Masvidal. I'm a big fan of Masvidal. I think Masvidal is definitely a, a better striker. But I think Colby's, you know, his boxing, everything he does on the feet is not bad. You know, he's he's proven to be a pretty skilled fighter in, in the striking department, in the kicking department, from what we've seen in other fights, he's put it on people before. He's put it on people that are really good strikers before. You know, Robbie Lawler, he's put it on guys that, that were better strikers than him. He's outboxed them. You know, Rafael Dos Anjos. So you got to give him credit. He's actually underrated when it comes to that. But it's not even the the kickboxing because Masvidal, again, does have the edge. It's the fact that Colby's just far better on the ground. What's he going to... How's Masvidal going to out-wrestle him? How's Masvidal going to handle the pressure? The only... You know, again, it's a cliche to say, but Masvidal is going to have to knock him out. Because if this is going to be a drag him out fight, in no world is Masvidal winning a five-round decision. Now, we said this about Francis and Ganu, so, again, who the fuck knows? But in no world will this, and do I think, or at least in my world, I don't think it's going to be ever a, a five-round decision where Masvidal wins. I just don't see it. You know, it's going to have to be a finish. He's going to have to catch him. Standing up, um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Colby's going to keep the fight extremely close range. He's going to grind him up against the cage. He's going to clinch the fuck out of him. So, Masvidal's not really going to be able to load up on any power shots from in close like that. Because Colby likes to fight you on the inside a lot. He likes to get in your face. Bad matchup for Masvidal. But forget about all that. Masvidal can still win the fight for sure. And it's a great fight to promote. It's a promoter's dream. Like those guys, if they did the ultimate fighter, that'd be the greatest ultimate fighter of all time. People have to understand the the backstory that these guys have. These guys used to live with each other. These guys used to be literally best friends. Not friends, best friends. Colby Covington used to live in Jorge Masvidal's apartment in Florida 
or is it in Miami, wherever it was in Florida? They used to be training partners. Like, they were friends. They they went on vacations together. They lived together. They trained together. You know, like, they were bros. They were brothers. They loved each other at one point. That you could say. Go on Jorge Masvidal's vlog videos on YouTube. There's so much footage if you want to check out the backstory. You know, funny stuff. Like, there's so many, like, memories of them as friends. And it's documented. That's what's crazy. It's documented. Like, it almost seems fake. When Dana White said Vince couldn't write a better script than this one in regards to the Francis and Ganu Cyril Gan fight, no, you're wrong, Dana. Vince couldn't write a better script than this one. Nobody could write a better script than this one. Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington. Sure, the Ganu versus Cyril one was a better stylistic fight, but this has all the box office appeal. This is a pay per view main event times 10. And it is, isn't it? This is a five round fight. And I bet you there was no debate about this being five rounds for because there's you know there's sometimes we get some non some non title fights that are five rounds like a Diaz McGregor fight something like that, but this one I bet there was no debate like yeah this is gonna be five rounds hundred percent. You know I'm sure Colby's gonna think it benefits him, maybe Masvidal's gonna think it benefits him, but I don't know if Masvidal wants it to go to that decision. I'm sure Masvidal just wants to sleep him. Let's go to number one on the list. The coveted number one on this week's list is Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor. Just kidding. Number one on the list, we're going with John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Yes, that's right. That is a big fight. When I thought Jones versus Ngannou was going to happen initially, because <clears throat> I did think Jones was going to happen Jones versus Ngannou was going to happen after Ngannou beat Stipe. There was a lot of buzz around that fight at the time. I was on record saying that that's, that's the biggest fight in UFC history. Not from a pay-per-view number standpoint and not from an, a tactical, a technical standpoint in the octagon. Both. The combination of both. The perfect blend. Like McGregor, like versus Khabib, you know, that's going to be a high-selling pay-per-view. McGregor were to fight someone like... You know, like Mazadal, that might sell the most pay-per-views ever, right? This has a great balance of both. This is going to sell because people like to see John Jones. John Jones, you know, do the pay-per-view numbers back it up all the way? He's, he sold some pretty good pay-per-views with Cormier. So I think he is a star. Um, but I think just the talent alone, the fact that I think he is the GOAT, and a lot of people recognize that, he's a big star to watch. He's big name value alone. That alone, him versus the greatest knockout artist in UFC history, you know, I said Cyril Gan versus Francis Ngannou was the most intriguing fight in UFC heavyweight history, right? Before the fight. Because after the fight, you know, you could throw all that out, how it plays out. Going into leading up to if there were to be a John Jones versus Francis Ngannou fight, this would be the most intriguing fight in UFC history. Not UFC heavyweight history, UFC history. John Jones is going to have to figure out the puzzle of Francis Ngannou and vice versa. What's he going to do? Because we're talking about a guy in Francis that now has shown more aspects of his game. So when you just had to worry about one thing, no. Now you have to worry about a behemoth getting on top of you, taking you down, wrestling you. John Jones might be a great wrestler. But it's like, ask yourself this. Is someone like Derek Lewis a great wrestler? No. But would it, every single time in a fight when Derek Lewis gets on top of a person on the ground, the commentators always say, oh, you don't want you don't want Derek Lewis to be on top of you. Like it's... Derek loses a problem if he gets on top because he's a big motherfucker. 
Francis Ngannou is a behemoth of a human being. Skill or skill or no skill, technique or no technique. Like, throw all that away for one second. Francis Ngannou is going to be on top of you, John. You know, you could use all the technique you want. You can roll him off you, whatever you want to do. Get that man off you because he's going to have some weight on you. Now, I don't know if John, you know, I'm, I heard he went up to like 270 and he's going to do like a little cut to heavyweight. So he, he wants to have like the full heavyweight frame. That's fine, but Francis Ngannou is still a big man nonetheless. Like, he looks like a Marvel superhero. Once he's on top of you, what are you going to do? It's going to be tough. Cyril Ghosn was a big man. Couldn't do anything with him on the ground. Now, John Jones, to me, is the GOAT, so can he do something? Sure he can, but, you know, if Francis gets on top of you, I'm not confident in anyone overcoming that. You know, I'm not confident in anyone, you know, sort of flipping position or getting out of there, at least for some time. Now, we're talking about Francis and Ghanu saying this, and I'm not talking about it from a skill standpoint. I'm just saying that from a pure just size and strength standpoint, he's such a strong man to get off you at that point. I'm just I'm not saying that's how he's going to win the fight. I'm just saying that now there's other areas of danger like that one where you need to be concerned. Obviously, the number one is going to be the striking. You, you're going to fear a knockout from him. But Francis can beat you in more ways than one now. If he needs to control John Jones in other ways, he might be able to. That's why it's such an interesting fight, right? It's because I'm saying that he'll be able to stay on top of him. But will he? You know, will John Jones go for the takedown on him now? It'll be such a good fight. Um, I'm not going to break it down now, but I think just, just to conclude, again, it's the perfect blend of star power and just matchup like just a technical matchup that we want to see it's the perfect blend box office and skill it just it has both of those things all right so this weekend we have jack hermanson versus sean strickland that's going to be a good fight um i did say that i had sean strickland winning the fight last week in a breakdown my opinion has not changed i think jack hermanson or sean strickland rather is going to make this a very dirty fight he's going to keep jack on the back foot you know from what i've seen of, of hermanson he can survive in the stand-up, not thrive, but he can survive in the stand-up department as long as nobody's keeping him on the back foot, nobody's pressuring him, nobody's keeping center of the octagon, keeping him on the back foot. He can sort of hang in there. If you start pressuring him, getting into his face, throwing a lot of strikes, that's when it gets things get a little bit tricky for Hermanson. Then he's going to start to look to take the fight to the ground forcefully. But obviously, Hermanson's going to want to take the fight to the ground. From what I've seen of Sean Strickland, you know, He's done good enough on the ground in the exchanges that I've seen that I think he will hold his own, be able to get back to his feet. Is there going to be a couple times where I think Hermanson will have him flattened out on his back, maybe land some ground and pound strikes? Because he is very good at that. He's very good at getting into the full top mount and then just controlling and riding out the rest of the round there, landing the elbows of big ground and pound shots. But I think Sean Strickland will be able to ride it out. I don't anticipate him getting finished on the ground ever. And I think once it does get, because the fight will be back on the feet at least five times, right? If it goes a distance, they will be stood up at the end of every single round, right? I think Sean Strickland holds the advantage there. I think he will do enough in the wrestling where he will not be finished and will do enough to get out of any bad position. But it's going to be a good fight. I envision Sean Strickland, again, winning this five-round decision. It'll be a dirty fight. Uh, He'll probably win like three or four rounds. And yeah, you know, I expect him to keep the pressure for sure. I think he will be obviously a little bit more weary of the takedown, so he can't just go full at it all out in his face like he did against the Uriah Hall fight, like he did in the Uriah, in the Uriah Hall fight, because you know Uriah Hall is not gonna really gonna 
threaten the takedown. He's going to look to make it a standing fight, of course. So you're going to have more areas of concern against Jack Hermanson, but I do think it's a fight that Sean Strickland wins. Um, and again, it's a fight that it's interesting. It has interesting implications to the middleweight division because if Jack, if Sean Strickland wins, you could argue he's a fight away. He's a, he's a fight away from the title shot. You know, he's already going to have a number one contender fight if he does beat Jack Hermanson. You can argue. If Jack Hermanson wins, he's had a setback here and there. So it's a little bit different. He's probably going to need to win about two more fights to get to a title shot. Nonetheless, an important fight, a fight that can really get both guys on track to get gold. Um, and, you know, we talked about earlier who could be champion in 2022 of each division. If one of these two guys want to be champion by the end of 2022, this is a must-win fight for them, you know. A loss here is not going to get the loser anywhere this year. They're going to be delayed at least two years, maybe three, who knows. So it's going to be a good fight. Uh, expect to see Sean Strickland talking a lot of shit. Since it is a fight night, it is in the apex, right, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to be able to hear it. It's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a show, not just the fighting, but the uh, the banter from Sean Strickland, by the way, not from Jack Hermanson. Let's get to some MMA news now to close out the show. Um, and let's see what is going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Jake Paul says a lot of big fighters in the UFC support him privately but can't publicly out of fear of reprisal. Yeah, I saw him on the Ariel Helwani show uh, Monday, I believe. Ariel and him have certainly had built up quite the friendship now. They obviously both hate Dana White. Dana White obviously both hates them. So, there's a few common denominators in the situation that make it not surprising. Let's see what Jake said. I'm not letting off the gas anytime soon. I've spent a bunch of my own money in this matter and pushing for these things. I wake up every day with a purpose on my mind, and I think I've done more than enough to show for women's boxing, fighter pay, equality, fighters, boxing promoters. I've done more than enough in terms of actions. And even more cards previously. Almost every fighter that's been on it, it's their highest payday always. I've gotten Tyron Woodley his highest payday. Ben Askren his highest payday. So these fighters who are always mistreated, I'm taking action. I'm backing it up. I'm not letting off anytime soon, and I actually care. I actually give a fuck. I've done too much, and it's nothing to me. I enjoy this. I like this. I feel the responsibility to be a part of this movement, and it's getting traction. That's exactly what I wanted, and I'm excited to continue to be one of the leaders of this conversation. You know, he says a lot more stuff. Just want to give you a little sneak peek of what he says. The thing about Jake Paul is, I think the only way to know whether his intentions are genuine in this scenario not for clout or not for attention or whatever I guess you would really have to just know him as a person I don't know him I can't say anything on the premise you have to give credit to the kid because he's you know he's standing up for fighter pay listen whether he's doing it for him or not he's doing it right but again when I say doing it is he actually doing it I mean he's got the women uh, fighters paid you know I heard that he's you know, he set up the Amanda Serrano-Katie Taylor fight, which as a diehard fan of just combat sports, you have to thank Jake Paul for that. This kid is responsible for setting up maybe the biggest female boxing match ever, and it's a fight that I'm fucking excited to watch just as a fan. Like, thank you for that, Jake. You know, give him credit where credit's due in some things. You know, you could shit on him for a lot of stuff, but there's certain things he's doing right. 
So he's getting women paid. And I believe that that they're both going to be getting uh, seven figures. Amanda Taylor and, uh, yeah, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, rather. I believe they're both going to get seven uh, seven-figure paydays, he said, for this fight. Amanda Serrano certainly is. I think it's her first, he said. So good for him. You know, good for him. He's doing, he's getting them paid. Is he getting UFC, that, that's what I meant to say by, is he actually doing it? Is he getting UFC fighters paid? No. He's not in the UFC world either, you know? I know he bought stake in, you know, something at the UFC uh, recently. But, um, you know, he's doing the right thing. You know, if there's a scumbag that's doing things, great things, like fucking helping orphans, but he's doing it for the wrong reason, to prove someone wrong or, I don't know, something stupid, but he's still helping orphans, he's still doing the right thing, right? Like, good is still being done, whether it's, you know, for the right intention or the wrong one. He's still doing the right thing. We don't know the kid's intentions. We don't know. He could be doing it for whatever reason. Maybe he's a great kid. You know, we can't deny that. We can't rule that. Maybe he just wants to help fighters. Maybe he genuinely just feels bad. Or maybe he's doing it because he wants attention. He wants sim. I don't know, you know? I don't know him, but he's doing good, though. You can't deny that. Let's move on. Paulo Costa. This guy, man. Jesus Christ. If not Marvin Vittori, I'm not even interested in fighting. Who does this guy think he is? This guy loses to Adesanya. He's like begging for the Adesanya rematch. Oh, sign the contract. Sign the contract. Then he fights Marvin. And he just decides he's not going to make weight because he can't make weight. But he decides that he's just not going to fight at 185 randomly. And almost tries to like throw it on Marvin, which is fucking hilarious and just stupid. And now... After losing to Marvin, he says, if I don't fight Marvin Vittori, I'm not even interested in fighting. Come on, bro. Number one, you're a sore loser. Number two, you don't even know how to come back from anything because every time you lose, you just want an immediate rematch. Is there no building yourself back up, overcoming adversity? Like you like you lose Sadazan, you want an immediate rematch and you got your ass beat in that fight. You cried. Like a baby. Now you lose this fight. Sure, it was more competitive. Of course, you're, you now, now you're saying you don't want anything if you don't get the immediate rematch. That's like a little kid saying you take a toy from him, right? And you give it to someone else. And then you give him another toy. You say, oh, look, you can play with this one. And the kid goes, no, I want that toy. That's it. That's the only toy I want. You know, you buy him a new toy. He says, no, that's the toy I want. Like This guy's like a little kid. It doesn't work that way. Get to the back of the line. You lost two in a row. You want to fight the number two guy in the division? Get out of here, bro. Go fight number six, number seven. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what this guy's deal is. Let's see what he said, the full thing. I just said to let Dana White know, I'll fight him now. It's the only fight that interests me. No one else interests me, unless it's for the title, but I'm no fool. Bro, what's wrong with you? I'm not stupid to consider a title fight now. Yeah, well... I want to fight him. He's the only viable guy that interests me. If it's not him, I'm not even interested in fighting. I let Dana White know that. Dana White's made it blatantly clear on multiple occasions, bro. If you don't want to fight, don't fight. 
The UFC is contractually obligated to offer you, what, two, three fights a year? Don't fight if you don't want to fight. Stop bitching about it because that's all you do. You lose fights you, and you bitch. And then there's always BS going into your fights too, like before the fight. Israel out of science says, trust me, Robert Whitaker is not a good guy. It was his ego last time, but I called it from the fight. Adesanya said in an interview. And again, this is all from MMAfighting.com. Shout out to them. Great news source for mixed martial arts content. It was his last ego time. It was his ego last time, but I called it from the fight. I said at the time that he is acting out of character. And I also said he is not being himself. People kept saying what a good guy he is, but trust me, he's not. You don't see that behind the scenes. And now he's admitted it was his ego that got the best of him. Well, I told you so. He should have listened to me. What else can he say? I feel like Adesanya is just beating a dead horse with a stick when it comes to Robert Whitaker and trash talking. Because he just tries to go out, even in the first fight, like you're almost like, like he tried clowning him about a meme and it almost backfired. I'm a big Israel Adesanya fan, but... There's nothing to talk about here, bro. Just be respectful. I know you're trying to sell the fight. Robert Whitaker is not going to trash talk you. He hasn't trash talked you. Like, you're trying to find something that's not there. I think you're going to beat him. Just train for the fight and win. That's it. Like, I guess, he, I get it. I mean, you know, he's trying to promote the fight, I guess. Just stop, dude. You like Robert Whitaker. He's a good guy. You're a good guy. Just, we don't have to make anything out of this. That's why that quote even shocks me to say, trust me, Robert Whitaker's not a good guy. So you say that his ego got the best of him and that doesn't make him a good guy. That's what you said in your quote, right? How does that not make him a good guy? Nobody's perfect. We're all human beings. We've all been over-emotional of certain things. You know, we've all handled things wrong at some point in our lives. Everyone makes mistakes. To so say he's not a good guy because his ego got the best of him? How is that? Sure, it might be a mistake. It was a mistake that he made, but that doesn't mean he's not a good guy. Lyoto Machida planning to test free agency after next Bellator fight. There's still fire burning inside me. How old is Lyoto Machida? I mean, I know he's good. You know, I know he's a he was he's a legend to the sport of mixed martial arts. Everything he did in the UFC, everything he did throughout his career. You know, I mean, he's still pretty good in Bellator. But how old is he? He's 43. I mean, you know, shouldn't you look to retire? Let's see his last few fights. Who he's fought? I went to the to the fight where. He fought Chael Sonnen and Chael retired after in Bellator. Uh, that was at MSG. I went to go see that one live. And Lyoto Machida looked incredible in that fight. You know, he fucking murked Chael. Ever since he lost to Chael, though, from what I'm seeing here, lost to Gegard Mousasi, lost to Phil Davis, lost to Ryan Bader. Granted, those are fucking killers, right? But, yeah, he still lost, though. So, you know, three-fight losing streak with the caveat that he... Lost to really good guys. You know, the best guys in Bellator. Calvin Cater ready to be backup for Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. Is he any more, des any less deserving than the Zombie is? I mean, I don't think so. You know, the Zombie's also had his setbacks too. He lost to Ortega. You know, Cater lost to Holloway. I think a loss to Holloway is a bit more appealing than a loss to Ortega. Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vera had targeted to headline May 21st UFC event. So we talked about who's going to be champion of that division, right, at the end of 2022. You know, if those girls want to make a statement, either one of these two, and they want to get into that conversation, you know, the winner of this fight certainly going to make a case for that. 
They certainly could be fighting for a title by the end of the year. Davison Figueredo wants $1 million for historic fourth Brandon Moreno fight. Again, it's just funny because if you ask like an outsider, let's say you watch you ask someone that's never seen the sport, you go to a bar, you watch and you watch the trilogy that he had with Brandon Moreno. And you could tell it's a big fight. You know, there's people there watching it. You know, it was buzz around the fight because all that did happen. There was buzz around the fight. It was very highly speculated and talked about. Um, you ask this random person, how many, how much money do you think those guys are making in the octagon in this co-main event of this massive card? I would think that per, I, I personally would have guessed more than a million dollars. You know, I would think these guys are making at least four or five million dollars, even the flyweights, because I'm seeing professional athletes at a high level on a screen of a fight of a card that is selling, you know, a good amount of pay-per-views. You know, I look at these guys like any other guys, like they're NFL players, NBA players. These guys are putting it on the line. So, you know, I would think they're getting paid the same, if not more almost. So, to, to you know, to find out Davis and Figueredo wants one million dollars. It's just ironic because if I never watch a sport and I'm just watching from afar, I would think this guy's already making millions in his fights. So it's just crazy. But that's a whole different story, you know. What's crazy is Ngannou's not even making a million dollars. Francis Ngannou says, John Jones, a better battle on Twitter than in the octagon. Right now, yeah, because it's like, when are we going to see John? I want to see him fight Ngannou. Ngannou said he gave up on that fight because it's never happened. See what happens. That's going to do it for the news, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this fourth episode of Talking MMA. Like and subscribe to the channel. And yeah, guys, just tune in for more to come. We're going to come out with episodes every single week. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in.